Good morning and welcome to the Omaha Vineyard Church. My name is Chewbacca. Uh, <clears throat> it's on the internet. you got to believe it, right? Anyway, so we have been uh, going through the Gospel of John. And uh, Easter was, oh, I can't even remember. Was it just last week? <laughs> Easter was last week. And uh, the, the tomb was empty. Jesus had died on the cross, got wrapped up, put in that tomb. And then Mary goes to finish the uh, process of um, cleaning up his body and giving honor to the Lord. And he's not there, but then he is. So the Gospel of John doesn't end there. The Gospel of John doesn't end with an empty tomb and Jesus surprising Mary in the garden. Who is it that he says that he loves to the end? It's his closest friends, his disciples. Uh, so today we're going to take a look at the rest of John chapter 20. Uh, when Jesus first appears to his disciples and so I'm going to be reading from uh, John 20, verses 19 through uh, 30, I don't know, 30-something. 30 we'll get there. Uh, anyway, it's the rest of uh, John chapter 20. I am going to be reading from the New Living Translation. But you know what? I know that's not the only translation. You like others? Go for it. Open up your Bibles, and uh, let's let's jump into this. Heavenly Father, we ask you to come right now and speak to us where we are. Uh, through your message. All right, so here we go. So check it out. The disciples are self-isolating, even before COVID-19. Here we go. John chapter 20, verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So they're behind locked doors because they're afraid of Jewish leaders who had sent Jesus to his death and might be willing to do the same thing to them. And what is the first thing that Jesus speaks to them? Peace be with you. He knows where they are and why they're there and what it's doing to them to be there locked in because of their fear. And then he makes a point to show them his wounds. Why? To prove so that they would believe that, yeah, I did go through that. I do have the marks on my body and I'm alive. So he does that so that they may believe. Because that's what the whole you know, gospel of John is, is about. And then he... he he starts to speak to them, and he he uh, he gives the shortest commencement speech ever. Check this out. So, introduction: Peace be with you. 
And then what, what to expect? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he equips them. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he explains one of the awesome responsibilities that they now carry. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And I, I kind of think, I was thinking, that's not really like college commencement. That's like military, right? Or police academy. So now, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the graduating class of 2020. They've been with Jesus for roughly three years, watching his rhythms of time alone with God and then time um, doing public ministry. Uh, they were sent out to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near, and they saw people healed, and miracles occur, and demons obey them as they cast them out. But most importantly, they saw and believed that Jesus had died and had risen from the dead. Jesus proved it was really him by showing them his wounds, and then he blesses them. He commissions them, he equips them, and he reminds them that the forgiveness of sins is something that they have the ability to extend or withhold. Wow. And that's, that's like Sunday night. This is the evening of the day that he's no longer in the tomb. Wow. And I was going to save this to the end. I was actually thinking about that this morning. He comes and finds them where they're hiding out behind locked doors because they're afraid. He says, peace be with you. And then he talks about what's going to be happening once that's over, once this isolation is over. He loves us, and he's got a plan for us. Isn't that good news? Now, we're going to keep going in uh, John chapter 20. Uh, One of the disciples must have been an essential worker because he was not present that night. Let's check it out in verses uh, 24 and 25. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, uh, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hand, put my finger into them. I guess that would be a little cooler. Uh, and place my hand into the wound in his side. What? Wow. I mean, we, we, uh, we all know people like this, right? They're, they're pessimistic and, and they're willing to say these shocking things. Thomas the twin, I won't believe it unless I see it. I won't believe it unless I put my finger into the nail wounds in his hands and place my hand inside the spear wound in his side. Come on, Thomas, what's the matter with you? It was so graphic and unnecessary. Ooh. All right, let's, let's see what else happens. All right, uh, verses uh, 26 through 29. Eight days later, The disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. 
The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. (laughs) Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless anymore. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So Jesus shows up like he did before. And his greeting is the same to the disciples who eight days later are still gathering behind locked doors. Um, And and again, what he says to them is peace be with you. And then again, he he starts with the wounds, right? He he says, Thomas, come, uh, hear my wounds so that you may believe. Because and I don't I don't know if it if it's is it just because of what Thomas said and he knew about it, or, or is it like you know this is the this is my mo this is my method of operation, peace yeah this really did happen, let's now let's get to work. But anyway, this time Jesus is personally inviting Thomas to go as far as he needs to in order to believe that Jesus did die and Jesus is alive even after he died. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Then he says, uh, kind of a, I don't know if that's a chastisement, but that is what it is. Jesus says, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And I just love, you know, kind of reading between the lines here. Jesus isn't put off by and doesn't scold or chastise Thomas for his defiance at believing or for not believing what the other disciples had told him. Jesus meets Thomas right where he said he needed to be met. And to me, that reveals two things about Jesus. One, he is the Lord of those of us with scientific, analytical minds, and even those of us with pessimistic natures. And he's willing to go there with us. He's willing to meet us where our minds and hearts have built the perfect trap to keep from being fooled. And he goes there and he invites us to not be faithless any longer. Believe. And the second thing that this reveals to me is how much Jesus wants us to believe in him. We keep saying this language over and over again in John's gospel when he's inviting disciples to follow him. And he's inviting late night conversations with Nicodemus and he's talking to the Samaritan woman and then her whole village. 
when he's healing the man born blind um, and he's talking to the Pharisees and after the fight, uh, after the feeding of the 5,000, he keeps bringing the conversation back to believing in the son of man, believing in the one that the father has sent, believe in the one that scripture talked about. And you may be, maybe your mind goes the same place. Mine does, because sometimes I wonder, why is he so into being followed, right? But then I, I have to remind myself, he's not in it for the likes or followers, right? He's not checking his Twitter, you know, ooh, how many followers do I have? He wants people to believe in him because that is when they will not perish but have everlasting life. He is extending grace to all humankind to have our sins forgiven and to have life by the power of his name. To go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. What's his motivation? It's his love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus doesn't want to spend eternity without you. Yes, you. And if you've got a thought in your head saying, not me, that's the devil lying to you. The devil hates God and he wants to hurt God, so he goes after what God loves the most, his most precious creation, you. If the devil can fake you out long enough and keep you convinced that God is your enemy, then you spend your whole life experiencing experiencing spiritual death rather than the life and love and glory that God's spirit living in you delivers as God's gift to you. I want to take a... My lovely uh, book ends there. Um, So I'm going to read from my uh, John textbook from college. Thomas was a living demonstration of the power of Christ to dispel doubt. He, Thomas, was naturally of a pessimistic temperament, and his doubt seems to have been the product of his pessimism rather than lack of confidence in Jesus himself. After all, he knew that Jesus had died, and he could say, the worst has happened, just as I said it would. Jesus volunteered to submit to the very test that Thomas had demanded. The fact that he knew what Thomas had said when he was not present was convincing proof of his supernatural knowledge and his willingness to accept Thomas, on his own terms, was a marvel of condescension and compassion. It is unthinkable that Thomas did actually put Jesus' body to the test. All his unbelief vanished as he worshipped. For a Jew to salute another man, uh, where am I? For a Jew to salute another man, however he might revere him as Lord and God, could only mean that he had come to the point of worshiping him as deity. 
The, rupture, the resurrection made the difference between the skepticism of despair and the worship that brings certainty. And I think that's why I am sensing this this desire and this need to just keep pressing into his presence and keep getting reminded by his spirit and through scripture that he's with us and that he's powerful and that he loves us. Because Jesus can dispel doubt. And that's good news for us. All right, so last couple of verses in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs, in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. John always referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That was John's identity. Friends, your identity is also the one whom Jesus loved. What do you think of that? In this unprecedented time of self-isolation and social distance and unknown when this will end. You are loved by Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you. Say this with me. I am the disciple that Jesus loves. And yes, even if you are pessimistic or stubborn or analytical, You are the one that Jesus loves. Even when you don't believe, you are the one that Jesus loves. He likes you. And he's willing to answer your questions and meet you wherever you are in order to say to you, don't be faithless anymore. Believe. So here's our homework for this week. Set aside time to be in God's presence. Call it prayer. Call it soaking. Call it sitting at Jesus' feet. Whatever clicks with you, set aside time to press into his presence. And let him just communicate his love to you. Maybe you'll laugh. Maybe you'll cry. Maybe you'll worship. Maybe you'll paint. Maybe you'll write words down. Get secret with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. We love to do this journey together as well. So if you experience something, we would love to hear how God communicated with you. Send us an email or send us a Facebook message. Or if you're willing to, 
share it on our Facebook group, uh, prayer requests, words for the church and encouragement. And if you're not a part of that group, uh, request it. And we'll send you an invite. Because God is alive and we need that encouragement. We need that, that injection. We need to feel alive. And this, uh, this time is really, it's hard. It's difficult. Um, it's not easy. It's very different. And um, I think one of the, the hardest parts is we just don't know when it's going to end. But the Lord is strong, and he is able to give us his strength. So let's press into him. Let's get secret with him. And let him make a date with the Lord. And let him, let him have some time with you. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. Lord, I pray that whether it's um, scripture or songs, or um, statements, however, or maybe it's just nature, or however it is that you've built us, speak to us, invite us, woo us, draw us in to you. And may we set everything else aside and lean into you, your presence, and your love. And it's so good to know that if we've got questions, if we're that pessimistic, analytical, I'm not going to believe this unless I yada, 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 that, that doesn't put you off. You're still willing to meet us. So we can get as ugly and, and demanding as, as we can be, and you're still going to love us, and you're still going to meet us. We ask you to do that for us, Lord. We ask you to meet us. And we ask you to love us. And strengthen us for one more day. And may we be a blessing to others as well. Amen.